lead us. Amen. It's great to be in the same spirit. We welcome you all in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Hallelujah. We, tonight, dealing with the subject of God's desire for his church to be one. God's desire for his church to be one. Let us pray. And dear Lord, we thank you for tonight. We pray that each one of us, we vessels through whom you would express this desire and make it a reality. As we hear your word, help us, O Lord, and perfect all that concerns us to the end that this desire that you have will be manifest in us, through us, for us, and by us. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. This is one of the, I believe, the most spoken about issues of the Christian faith. Oneness of the body. And yet, it appears that it's still probably an area that the church has struggled with for many, many generations. Hallelujah. And sometimes, to some extent, the numbers of denominations even is a reflection of how difficult it is to um, operate in this oneness where as against the original pattern of a one church, one denominational movement called the church that we read about in the book of Acts and other biblical texts. But whatever it is, I also, also believe that in spite of the differences that the church has been through, through the generations, there is still hope. Hallelujah. The hope is in the fact that the root, the head, the foundation is still Christ. Hallelujah. We are irrespective of denominational name, irrespective of location, irrespective of all the things that men may use to define the church, the centrality of the church is in the fact that we are made or we, are, we come out and we stay in and we are connected to Christ. Hallelujah. Not necessarily to a denominational label or an area, location, or a group of people that we are familiar with, but because of Christ, we become one. And that must not be lost on us. Hallelujah. I'm not surprised that Jesus, and uh, in a more general term, in the whole of the New Testament, the church is reflected through different, what God used different ways to teach us about his church. And I found out that if one of the reasons why a lot of people 
can't make much progress in this area of oneness of the body is because many people cannot see the types of the church and cannot function in the different types, not as in uh, Charismatic of Pentecostal, but the forms in which Christ represents the church. So that there are people who are in the church who would only function very well when the church is the family of God. That's where they are comfortable. The moment the church has to operate as the church militant, where the church is an army, they are very uncomfortable. Because the, the guidelines for operating as an army are not the same as the guidelines for operating as a family. The guidelines for the church operating as a house are not the same as the guidelines for the church operating as the vine. Jesus said, I'm the vine, here are the branches. The, 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 the way a tree is, and its branches, the vine, the fruit, and the, the roots relate to the branches in terms of the fluids that flow and the, the, the duration of time that be, leads to productivity. The pruning process is a different thing from the family setting. The guidelines that operate within the human body system. When Jesus says the body, Apostle Paul in particular, says that we are the body of Christ. The concept of body ministry is lost on many people. And that, you see, when you read through those scriptures, and he says that, oh, ye are one body, and only see it from one angle, perhaps maybe from the ministry or functional perspective, you see that our understanding is narrow. See, and you can, the, the, the promises of God, if you read the scriptures in Peter, first, second Peter, says that the promises are made manifest through the knowledge. So the less knowledge you have about the types the form in which the church is represented, the less you are able to walk in the area of the oneness of the body. So if you get, if you, you come to a revelation of what Jesus is talking about when he says, I am the vine, ye are the branches, and the, you cannot bear fruit except you, you abide in me. And you also get the same concept and not that, that when he says, the church is my house. And the house is built on the foundation and of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone. And you get that revelation, it can, it would change. It will, it will, it will speed up. It will open your eyes to new forms of relationships. One of the biggest challenges that the church, the body of Christ has is people cannot function in the different relationships that each of the forms or the types of the church brings. So if I'm used to the militant church, now I have to operate as a family church. It's not an easy thing. Because the militant church operates by command system. The militant church said that, Paul said that, talking to Timothy, be steadfast as soldiers. And in the military system, you see 
He says that, the, the, like the Old Testament in the Chronicles, where he's talking about the, 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 the sons of Issachar and Zebulun and all of that, and he says they were at their brother's command. But if a, if a church has to be one, that command, that, that part of scripture alone may not function in all situations. There are situations that the church has to function as a family. Where a father or a mother has the feelings, the, 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 the pains of motherhood and of fatherhood. Then sometimes you find out that the church even can be like a school. And the attitude of the teacher and the students towards each other is a different scenario. So when people who have been trained in a military setting can't see themselves as students who are certain and think that, no, I know this thing. I shouldn't be... Who, why am I being instructed? Who is... Who should somebody... Why should I be... I know I'm, I'm of age. I know what I'm doing. Then we have a situation that needs to be dealt with. Hallelujah. So tonight, I'm led to teach about this subject from the perspective of the types or when I say type, not that there are different denominations, Methodist, Presby, Anglican, whatever. I'm talking about the forms in which the church of God is represented in the Bible. So, for example, the church is represented as the body. The church is represented as the temple. The church is represented as the family. The church is represented as the bride. The church is represented as an army. The church is represented as a tree or a vine. The church is represented as flock. And then the church is represented as a house or a building. house or a building. Now, each of these carries with it significance. Something of importance. Something that is, you need to understand. Then, it translates into an expected action for those who are part of that body. Hallelujah. Of that group called the church. We know we don't want to belabor the point, but when we say the church, fundamentally, we are talking about people who are called out. People who are called out. We were in the world, we were in darkness. So Paul says to Ephesians, you who were once darkness. So we have been called. Peter says that we are a, a called, a peculiar nation, called out to show forth the praise of him that has called us. So we are a called out people. Hallelujah. We are also an assembly. That's why they call the ecclesia. We are called an assembly. We are so church cannot function people with people in their little closets. Church is church when there is, in all the definitions of church there is some reference to gathering, knitting together. There is some reference to spiritual, physical, emotion, uh, uh, psychological, or emotional coming together. There's always a coming together. Both the two key definitions of church have something to do with coming together. 
But you see, all the models of church are things that have been put together. When you take the body, it's parts, human parts, that have been put together. When you take a temple, the temple is parts which have been put together. When you take the family, it's parts. Father, mother, children, and others put together. When you look at the bride, it's the, the bride and the groom and the bridal team, the whole family, unit of, of, of marriage is something that is put together. When you look at the army, it has been put together. When you take the, 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 the vine, you have the different parts. The, 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 the stem and the, 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 the branches and the roots and all of it put together. So there, without the putting together, the church doesn't exist. Hallelujah. It is the putting together that makes church church. Whether it's flock. If in the, you have one sheep, it doesn't form a church. It is when different sheep, different shapes, colors of sheep coming together under a command, then you have a, a flock. Then you have a, 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 a church. When you say a house, a building, is different materials. Wood, stone, cement, others put together. And when they are put together in a proper way to perform a certain function, then you say you have a house. It serves a purpose. And every part of it is put together for a particular reason. And every, every part which is there accepts the other part as belonging. And that is what makes the house a house. If the one part does not accept the other part, it becomes difficult for it to be called a house. Even paint. I was just thinking about it. Even paint. You know that it's not every paint you can put on every wall. There are some areas, some buildings that are very acidic or maybe salty or whatever. And if you just go and buy uh, the normal azar paint and you just put on without a certain primer, a certain kind of um, treatment, you put it and within the next six months, when the rainy season comes and the water starts climbing up, you see it peels off. So what it means is that the cement or the material on the building is rejecting the, 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 the chemical which is being put there. So when you have that, you don't have a beautiful home. The, be- the home will look very queer. It won't look normal. It won't look pretty. It's the same way in every one of these illustrations, there is a need for a certain sense level of acceptance. Those materials that are there before, accept that this material that is coming in is part of us to make us complete. And the interesting thing also is that the materials that make all of these, the scripture says that every house is built by someone. Hallelujah. That's one of the secrets about the forms or the types of the church is that most of the things don't determine how they are used. Or how they, 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 they accept. They, they, re- they, 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 they relate to the others. He said, every house is built by someone. So, you, the, the key thing, he says, if you look at a plant, a, a, a vine, say, I am the vine, here are the branches. The owner of the vine, the father and Jesus, they control it. The, the branch doesn't know how it came there. 
The root doesn't know how it came there. The stem doesn't know how it came there. But it has to, they all have to connect to produce the fruit. Hallelujah. And if you look at the house, the cement bag doesn't know that, that bag of cement, whether it's from Gassem or from Diamond, doesn't know whether it's going to be placed in the foundation of the bedroom or the hall. It's at the mercy of the builder, the mason, the, the architects and those who are involved. What am I talking about? You see, for the house to, to be built up in a beautiful way, that flexibility, that flexibility in the hands of the potter, in the hands of the, fabri- the, one, the fabricator, the one making it, putting the house together, is very important. Now, why, do, why is it that sometimes churches or people in church are not able to function? Because a lot of times, the materials are defining how and where they want to be. Amen. A lot of times, materials, blocks, I say, no, they say, put it in the hall. They say, no, I want to be in the kitchen. Amen. Say, I want you to be in the front. You say, no, I want to be there. So you see the building. There is a building in, is it Italy? Is it called a pizza or something like that? It is shaped in a certain way. The leaning tower. So when we, we it's like that, you, the, the, the builders don't know. The builder struggles to do it, to shape it the way it ought to be. Now let's look at some of these things that this uh, types. Let's take the body. Now when the church is defined as the body, its significance is in the fact that this is supposed to be a healthy entity. Body represents health. When you, the, anytime you see in the in the in the, in the, in the, in the, 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 the scriptures that the church is the body of Christ, another way of saying is that the church represents the healthy posturing of Christ. Hallelujah. Another way of defining the body is the functionality of Christ. Let's look into the scriptures. In Ephesians chapter 4 verse 15 and 16. King James, please. He says, but speaking, to, speaking the truth in love may grow up into him, into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. Now verse 16. From whom the whole body fitly joined together. You notice the word joined together. The body is not the body if it's not joined together. If it's in human parts, it's not a body. 
if the parts are just lying there, even if you have all the representative parts and they are just lying on a table, it's not a body. If they are not connected. So you see the prophecy in, um, in Ezekiel 37 talks about it. When the body, the bones were there, the dry bones were there, they did not form an army. They were not a body. It is when he prophesied, the bones came together. Then after the bones came together, the, the sinews and all the others came together. The flesh came on. Then he said, speak. The spirit of the Lord came into them and they had life. So different parts playing their role. And then they become, the, the scripture says, and they became an exceedingly strong army. So the body is made of things that have come together. And it says, it says, and compacted. In other words, if there is supposed to be oneness, there has to be supply. By that which every joint supplies. So, uh, the joint must not just be there. That's the difference between, excuse me to say, people who have, for example, a stroke. And those others that are fit all together. When people have a stroke, one of the problems is that there's nerves the, the nerves and the instructions that come from the brain do not reach certain parts of the body. Hallelujah. And they also, those parts of the body cannot in, get back res- responses to the brain. So that body is incomplete according to effectual working in the measure of every part. Which means that every part of the body has something to supply. Now, the moment any part of the body resigns himself or herself to a position of not willing, not able, not, not ready to supply, it says, me, I, I've decided that this I'll just look on. I'm not going to supply. Then the body is suffering. Whichever way, whether it's blood, I won't supply blood. I won't supply instructions. Or I will not receive the directives from the brain then usually it means that something is going crazy. They say things are not okay with him. Because the brain is saying that this is a place to, 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 to sit. But his brain, his hand, or his legs are telling him that no, it's a place to walk. Reversing the instruction. And according to effectual working, so every part, he used the body to show us that there is some amount of input and then some amount of expected output from every part. And when it comes together in the way, in the proportion, it means that we don't, the, the body does not contribute uh, uh, its parts in the same manner, but in different proportions. Now, the other parts of the body must accept this, this reality, that the proportions are different. The parts are different, the proportions, the manner in which they, functions, they function are different. And that will lead to increase. In other words, it will bring the oneness which will lead to increase. But if somebody thinks that, oh, this one is not, this one, I don't like the way he's contributing. I don't think he even deserves to be in our team. So you find out in a fellowship or in a church, there may be people who think that, what is he looking for here? What is she looking for? Who is this person? Who is he? Why is he here? Why is she here? Though we don't say it with our mouths, it's there. Hallelujah. And when that question, that idea is in somebody or in some people, the body can never be one. When people are questioning themselves, 
Why are they? Why? Who, how, why did the designer of the body, the maker of the body, or the supervisor of the body allow this strange, in quotes, object, or this person who I don't think should function the way I'm functioning, into our system? It is only these kind of people who should be here. So even though we don't practice apartheid in the legal sense, in the mind, a lot of people are believers in the church, but they are practicing apartheid. Because in their mind, they are asking, why is this person part of the, the church? Why he, why he doesn't do things the way I think he should be doing things. She doesn't have this mindset that I have. He doesn't have this capacity or this ability. Or he's not looking. He doesn't have this look that I, I have. Or that, person, that one has and that person doesn't have. So why is he here? Why, what, what, whose idea is it to welcome such ones? But let, let me just accommodate him or her. Let me, let's contain them. When it gets to that point, then you see the body cannot be one. Say amen. The body, when you see that the scripture describes the church as the body, it talks about the head. In First Ephesians 1, 22-20, it talks about Christ being the head. And the, in the local context as well, there is. Hallelujah. There is different parts in terms of the flow of sequence. There, is, there are privileges that come to us because we, 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 we function in certain places. For example, if you are wearing ornaments, there are certain parts of your body you don't put the ornaments. So when people are commending you for the fascia and all of the pawns, you know, you go to a, a radio or a TV station and they are doing it. Some parts of your body don't get it. Your feet, for example, don't get to get the pawns and all of those things. Hallelujah. When they are commending you and your beautiful earring, it's your ear, the whole, that gets the honor. When you wear a shirt or a dress and they are commending you, it's about the top that gets the honor. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. The same way, the head in anybody usually is a, the main central point. In the local context, when Jesus, Jesus delegated his authority into the church, so you have the headship or the leadership. That comes with a lot. It has the, 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 the responsibilities. The responsibility of spiritual sensitivity and hearing aright and seeing aright. Because look at the number of activities that goes on in head. Hallelujah. It comes with a lot of responsibility. It does not demean or devalue the other parts of the body. They say uneasy lies the head that wears the crown. Amen. So, if you want to understand how to function and relate and connect to the oneness of the body, you must see how the human body functions. The brain, the eye, most of it. That is why we need to be very careful when we are dealing with leadership. Hallelujah. 
That also puts a lot of responsibility on us, on leadership. Because the leadership or the, the head is supposed to see, hear, understand, and communicate to the body. And give the signal of danger when there's warning. Speak. Defend. A lot depends on the leadership. Amen. Now let's look at the temple. If we want to have the body of Christ, the church, the body as the temple. It symbolizes a place of worship. The temple symbolizes a place of acceptable worship. When you go back into the Old Testament, in the time of, after the death of Solomon, in the book of Kings, 1 Kings, on verse, uh, chapter 12 and chapter 13, the scripture says, they installed a new king who took over the ten tribes, and Solomon's son took only two tribes. And the king was called Jeroboam. And he set up another place of worship in a place called Bethel. That was not the original place that God wanted. Solomon had built, God had used Solomon to build the temple. Hallelujah. But Jeroboam set up a place called Bethel. And the other ten tribes were worshipping in Bethel. Now, the church is not a Bethel. Or should not be a battle. It should be in the temple that we're talking about. The temple where we are. Without the holy place and the holy of holies, the temple is no temple. There are significant spiritual relationships that should make the church the church. When the people in the church don't understand the concept of worship, Preparation. The issue of sanctification. The issue of, 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 um, cleansing. The issue of adoration of God. There is no way you can have a, a body or the church as one. Because what may be happening is that actually, even though it's the temple, the body, the, the church is a temple, some people may be actually in Bethel. They are sacrificing in other mountains. Hallelujah. Jesus told the woman of Samaria that a time that our comes when people will not have to go to Jerusalem nor uh, uh, Mount Gerizim. There are people worshipping where God has not endorsed. And when the, that false prophet was going, that prophet was going, he said, don't eat bread in Bethel. So, if you, you want the body of Christ to enjoy the oneness, beloved, we must understand that when the body, because the body is a temple, is a temple of God, it comes with certain requirements. We all have to devote ourselves to a certain level of sanctity. And say, Lord, by the blood, by your word, and by the things we imagine the thoughts. That's why Second Timothy, Second Corinthians seven, verse one and two says that purify yourself from all impurities of the flesh and of the spirit. 
when that is not going on, the, the concept of the church as one cannot function. You see, because what happens is that people's minds are impure. People's motives are wrong. So, the oneness is just there superficially. The body becomes beneficiary of a temple which is accepted before God when people are purified in spirit, in body, and in the mind. But if you, we are talking about the body of Christ, we are talking about the temple of God, the church, I'm that the church God desire for the church to be one, that oneness is not by how many times I trumpet, like we sang, the church is one foundation, or oh, let there be love, and all. No! But if the people, individuals, don't have a temple-mindedness, the temple-mindedness is a mindedness of sacrifice. Because in the temple we sacrifice. In the temple we worship. In the temple we, 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 we offer ob, uh, uh, oblations to God. But so people don't understand that. In, we offer of our substance. So we cannot have oneness when people can understand that I mean, I'm part of the temple. So that there's a place for giving in the temple. Liberal giving. Biblical giving. Sharing. Offering of ourselves freely as a whole sacrifice. So I'm giving myself, my time, my energy, my knowledge, my skills. Then you also giving your, your, your energy, your skills, your ability, your dignity. When you, you, we sacrifice at the altar, our dignity is a high form of sacrifice in the temple. That is when the, 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 the scripture said, God said to Cornelius, your prayers and your almsgiving has ascended to me in heaven. When you we just come into church and thinking that the building, the four walls from the temple, not understanding what the temple really signifies, the church is the temple of God. Yes. But what does it signify for you and I? It signifies a place of sacrifice, a place of offering, a place of sanctity. A place of, 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 of being worth nothing. Allowing God to have his way. And if I come to the temple, or if I connect to the church, and God cannot hear me, I've just wasted my time. I want to come to church. I want to relate in the church. I want to have brethren that when we put our oblations before God, and we pour our hearts to God, God can come like he came to Elijah's place. That is the significance of the church being the temple of God. When that happens, the oneness that we talk about will be manifest. Say amen. Family. Understanding family systems. Ephesians 1.5 talks about that. That we have been adopted into the family of God. Hallelujah. Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. Jesus, before he even um, finally ascended, 
spoke about it. He says, you are now my brethren. So that's the beginning of the family. In John, the book of the gospel according to John. So we have become family. How do families function for effective... uh, What are families for? Family is a place of comfort. Family is a place of solace. Family is a place of security. So if we are church, we are family. And we cannot provide security. We don't understand that as a church member or as a church leader, as a church worker, we read earlier on about that with every joint supplies. So some, a brother or a sister must be able to count on me. Because family is about security. Family is about a place of final rest that nobody, if, if I'm being chased, you go to your family. If all men reject you, your family cannot reject you. Amen. Family is a place of fulfillment. It's a place of fellowship. It's a place of being yourself. If, you see, when we go out for interviews and all of this, we can act out. We can do, appear what we are not. But in family, we are free. When you come to our house, you see us wearing boxer shorts, singlets, and things that we normally don't wear when we are out, when visitors come quickly, the women, even women who, the, the, the stress of wearing artificial hair. Hallelujah. The stress of it. Because it's very stressful. You'll be, you'll be scratching and scratching the whole day. So when you enter your family home, then you say, ah. Then your children and your grandchildren, your wife and others, now they can see the real you. Then you have to go to the bathroom and wash all the layers. You know what I mean? The lace. It's good to put on the beauty things to look different, to look nice. But you can't, we don't act any longer. You can't act any longer. The way you eat your food in the restaurant, when you get to your house, you take the kankra, the what you call the, the bowl or the, the ladder. Oh. Family, no restriction. You feel free. And you are not intimidated. You don't think that you, nobody, anybody's going to report you, a cameraman, a video man, or a paparazzi will catch you. Because you are in family. You feel safe. An idea comes to your mind. You share. That's family. Hallelujah. When we understand concept of family. Family. Interdependence. Family means responsibility for the older ones. And then also, family means submission for the younger ones. Amen. Family means modeling for the older ones. That I'm a father, I'm a mother, I'm an older brother. I must be an example to the younger ones coming. And for the younger ones coming, family means I'm observing my mother, I'm observing my father, and I want to see the, those who have, And I have to give them the honor. And that's why the scripture says that woe is you, a nation, Whose leader is a child? Because there is a godly hierarchical system of training. In theories, it can say, Penny new fear, Family means there is an, uh, uh, there's a structure of authority and respect and honor. And Solomon spoke about it. The gray of the aged. 
Job, in the book of Job, said, Wisdom is with the ancient. In our traditional homes, when there is a, a vacancy for uh, installing a chief or any decision that has been made, they say, We go ask the old lady and consult. Some of us have never attended any such meetings, so we don't even know. But at least, when you observe it, you, you understand certain things. That there are certain things that it's not logic and argument. We need to understand. And it's a, it's a divine principle of life. Because if you remember the scripture, when Saul was looking for his asses, the scripture said, he went, and when he got to a place, he said, we, may we see a seer. We are looking for a seer. Somebody who is, who is experienced in hearing from God. In life, certain levels that we get to, seer, natural seer, spiritual seer. If the, 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 the seer or the older people don't break the code, you can't enter. The Americans and others, or the, those who are quite, they talk about the Da Vinci code. And there's also other codes that have to be broken. And that is not broken by normal people. Codes to enter into certain realms of authority. There was a man with a, an identity. I've forgotten the, the born identity. You have to break a code to enter, to access certain information. And in the family, some of the codes are hidden with the ancient. Samuel had that experience when he was adopted into the family of Saul. And people, we cannot see the benefit of the oneness of the body when people don't understand these things. And have a, a very modern, liberal mindset. Your viewpoint is different from my viewpoint. That mindset is anti-godly family. It must be respected, yes. But it must not rule. Say amen. Family... It's a place of fellowship. Bride talks about purity. Hope. If the church is the bride of Christ, we are talking about purity. Revelations 19, verse 78. Ephesians 5 talks about it. Ephesians says that the whole, we, we use it for marriage a lot. It says, I, but I speak concerning Christ and his church. And how, what does he say? Submit yourselves one to the other. Husbands, love your wives. Wives, submit yourselves. So there is a pattern that he has established. So if the body, if the church is not submitting to Christ, we are already in default. And the oneness we are seeking for cannot be effective. Because see, the first level of marriage as a church is between us as a body and Christ himself. It means that we must pay attention to the relationship we have with Jesus, our Lord. When people who are members of the body, who are the bride of Christ, don't see that relationship as Christ being Lord over the marriage, 
And I'm independent. I'm on my own. I can visit him when and as I like. I can study his word when and as I like. I can worship him when and a wife. That's what happens to Vashti. A, a wife submits to the will of the husband in, ter- in that sense. Are you getting it? The church submits to the will of Christ in that sense. So if the church, the body, we all as workers and as leaders are not hearing and are running our own situation, what happens is that the, the, has, the, the, the man is going to call a competition for alternatives. May God help us. Amen. The army. The army. The body of Christ. The church is an army. Which is called into conquest. Army is for defense. Attack and defend. If somebody is trying to trouble us, the army has to rise to the occasion. And if somebody, they will defend. And if we need to attack people to claim back what has been stolen, we do it. And we do it shamelessly. At the training, all the training schools, there are messages that reflect that. As you are entering, as you are coming out. As you are being given the charge, that is it. Now, we can, if people in church think that brotherly love is all about let there be love and singing and me up, then we are, it's not the case. Sometimes, in order to save the brotherly love, brethren, we have to be truthful to each other. We have to be bold. Last Sunday we heard it. We have to stand up for something. Because that is an army. Read the book of Jude. Especially when it comes to falsehood. When it comes to deviations. When it comes to untoward behavior. We need to be able to do it. The scripture says in love. But we still need to do it. In the army, there are her- there's a hierarchy. There are structures. We learn about the structures. So when it says the church is God's army. When you read Second Peter 2. It says that we should be ready as soldiers. Quick. Be ready. Militant. And be interested in warfare. You see, sometimes, many of us don't know that spiritual warfare also comes into play when we, come to, when we talk about brotherly love. That is true. Sometimes, principalities, powers, are sent. I remember reading Pastor Kakra's book on this, uh, the, 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 what do you call it, the, 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 the squatters. When he talked about the story of a couple that they, they were living in a house and that house had a history of divorce. Until his eyes were open, he saw it. Even in his own house in Kumase, he, he woke up one night and he saw dwarfs. They are settled and he had to cast them out. And say, they said they have been living there for so many years. And they, they usually they create a situation. And there's a cycle. Maybe before every communion, some husband and wife, they quarrel. And they think it's normal. And they come. Before every communion, they quarrel. And they think it's normal. And they come. Your eyes have to be open. Say, hey, this is not the way. It's a war. It's a war. 
It's something that God has opened. That's why especially the men need to be vigilant because the men are the generals in the house. There are certain patterns that only the generals have to give command. Say, no, not in my house. Shut the door. That's a biblical pattern. So if the generals sleep and close their eyes and say, Oh, I, uh, 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 you, I, I, No. It will create a problem. The man is the general. Not that doesn't mean you should bully. No. I'm not talking about bullying or being dictatorial. I'm talking about offering leadership. And um, this one, I'm talking about spiritual leadership. Because the subject, the, the church, as an army, is all related. See, the love and the oneness, the army, that is divided. A king, Jesus said, one of the army principles that a kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. It's, it's, the army must be in rank. The army must be at their command. The army must be fit. The members of the army, if the members of the army are not fit, you can't have the oneness you're talking about. The oneness will come when the members, the troops in Burma camp, if you live there, I'm told every week that they have to go on Kifit. I never see them at five, five, 5 o'clock or 4 30. Why do you live there? The soldiers, they have to Kifit. So that when something happens, they can defend, they can attack. But if you are there and your time is up and they call your, your group and you say, Yo, Yo Chale, Mandante, I'm, I'm, I'm changing over, it will be trouble. Amen. The army must be fit to be able to defend. Second Timothy 2, 3 and 4. The vine is about fruitfulness. See, when a tree doesn't bear fruit, it can lead to frustration. Jesus was passing by a tree and it had, the time was supposed, it was supposed to, he was hungry and people, theologians have different arguments. People say, oh, there was not due for, the tree, uh, for a tree to bear fruit. Whatever way it is, Jesus expected it because he's the Lord of the harvest for fruit to bear. Amen. So, trees or vines signify fruitfulness. How do trees function? In John 15, we are told, I'm the vine, you are the branches. So, the issue of when he uses the church to represent the vine and the branches and the tree, he's telling us that we must be fruitful. Fruitful in character, fruitful in souls, fruitful in, in relationships. The things we do must yield result. So, how come? When people don't get results, if we are fellowshipping and it's not, people are not getting results, frustration sets in. Hallelujah. That's why our type of communication, the words we speak, the way, the way we connect, the way we serve one another, it, will, it should yield some transformation. Then it becomes beneficial. Because when we are described as divine, it means we are fruitful. We are beneficial. If you look at yourself, you can be in church. If people are in church, and for many years, for many months, they don't do anything. They are not committed to anybody. They are not committed to anything. Are they fruitful? And their lifestyle is still the same. They still do all the things that they used to do when they came in. 10 years, 15 years. They, but they will come. They pay their tithe. They all give offering. Still there. When, when it's like that, 
you cannot have a oneness, the oneness in church. No. Because the, the description of the church is a group that is fruitful. Group that bears fruit. The people come in and they used to be in stage one. They, by the time you open your eyes, they have reached stage ten. In terms of spirituality, the way they know the word of God, the way they love the word of God, the way they are encouraged, the way their presence inspires others, fruitfulness. Others are following them. They too, they are encouraging others. That's fruitfulness. Their lifestyle, their temperament, their nature, the things that they struggle, they have moved on and they are encouraging others. I used to be down, but now I see I'm up by the grace of God. So this is how I made it. And they are fruitful. That's fruitfulness. Character fruitfulness. When people come into church and they are, they are still the same or they are even getting worse, then we have a problem. Then they, they cannot be one. They can't. Because the old, somebody will be there and the old nature of a certain behavior, a certain language, a certain trickery, a certain situation is still in control. Then we cannot bear fruit. And when we don't bear fruit, it leads to frustration. Hallelujah. We are the flock. Acts 20 talks about, particularly verse 28. Paul talked to the Ephesian leaders. Commending them to the flock, to, to, to Christ. Say, so take heed therefore unto yourselves and to the flock over which God, the Holy Ghost, has made you overseers to feed the church of God which he had purchased with his own blood. All of us who are shepherds, leaders, pastors, at any level, there is a, a great call on us, a great duty on us to feed. And he says, by the Holy Ghost. It means we can't just speak our mind. We can't just speak our tradition. We can't just do it because I look at your face and I think I'd like to see, I, I, I like your, the way you, you like what I'm saying. Or you don't like what, no. But by the Holy Ghost. To feed the flock. The church of God, which he had purchased with his own blood. It means the flock is the church. The church is the flock. And we all have a duty. The senior minister or the senior pastor, the pastors, deacons, elders, at one stage or the other, Sunday school teachers, all of us become shepherds one way or the other. It means also that if you don't see a member, Jesus laid the principle for shepherding. Said the good shepherd, when he doesn't see one out of the ninety of the hundred, he leaves the ninety nine and goes out. So if we ask ourselves, okay, we want love. When was the last time we, a brother or sister we didn't see, we look for him or her? That will show whether you we really want the love. But if we just look on, say, oh. Ah, this one doesn't come. I don't know why it doesn't come. This one doesn't come. I don't know. That. And we're just looking and not making an effort. That means you don't want to grow to be a shepherd. But when you are a shepherd also, you look out for the brothers. You look out for the sisters. You look out for the wounded. You look out for those that are suffering. That are coiling in the corner. Who are not bold enough because of something that happened to them. Not so much as to gossip but to help them out so they can be restored. That's not the scripture say that ye that are strong bear ye the infirmities of the weak. Amen. We are a house, a building, and that has been said many times. If you look at Ephesians 2, 22, 
since Jesus Christ the chief cornerstone and the apostles and prophets. Now, again, I'm talking about structure and I'm talking about making sure that in Christ, what that word has said about the, the different roles of key spiritual people must not be taken lightly. Hallelujah. In 1 Timothy 3.15, Paul made a statement. He said, I'm going and I'll I pray that you keep the house of God in a certain order. Because the house of God or the church is the pillar of the truth. The whole world is looking for truth. Politicians are looking for truth. Media men are looking for truth. Everybody is looking for truth. But the secret is that the truth is in the house of God. Hallelujah. And the, 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 the house, we are the custodians. We are the gatekeepers. When you read our house, how is our house built? First uh, Corinthians one, uh, First Corinthians three talks about how our type of house is built. People are building of straw, people are building of stone, others are building of wood. And if more of us are building of straw, what it means is that when waves, when troubling times come, when weather changes, when economies economic situation is not good, when people are provoked, when people are not well, when there is trouble, then we come wobbly. The building will shake. But when people are beaten with stone, with good material, with steel, their troubles may come, their floods may come, but we remain steadfast. Amen. So if many of us are shaking, it's a reflection many times of the kind of materials people are building with. Because if the building, the, the materials are solid, we should be able to withstand. Are you getting me? And the proof, it's not about what the material you say you are building or we say we are building with. No! We can, I can say I'm building with steel. You too, you can say you are building with steel. It's not so. How you respond, how I respond to turbulence. Trials, tribulations. When you have money and when you don't have money. When you are promoted and when you are demoted. When you, are, you, you feel not unfulfilled and when you feel fulfilled. Because you see, a promotion can manifest a certain negative behavior. Abundance can make you misbehave. Much as lack can also make you misbehave. That's why David prayed, don't, don't, make me, don't make me poor so that I'll go and do bad things. And don't make me so great, rich, that I will be proud and I'll forsake you. So we, either way, we need grace. Hallelujah. But the scripture I'm talking about, we are talking about the church being a house, a building. The key thing is that, what kind of material are you in the building? What the material I am in the building determines the strength of the building. That's why Paul says, let each man take it how he builds. So you have a lot of people who, are, who want a nice building, but they want to buy roofing sheets that somebody has thrown away, leaking, and roof it. When it rains, rain will come. The sticks that people have at Square a site that they don't need and we pick it to create a problem. Hallelujah. 
There's a difference between sawmill wood, killed dried sawmill wood, and uh, 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 what do you call it? Timber market wood. Different levels. Bush cut and the kiln dried one. This over here, it was kiln dried wood. You take it through machine. It's not the one we bought wayside. No. You have to go to a sawmill. They cut it to size. Because if you don't get it and later on the wind comes, it will, with time, with the weather changing, it will bend. Because the water is still in it. It's still drying. So, even in taking wood, there is wood and there is wood. In gold, there is gold and there is gold. Abyssinia or ho. And proper gold is there. It looks like gold, but it's not real gold. Say, Amen. Beloved, the body can have disease. Infirmity. The body is a health system. The church is a health system. Let me just enumerate some of the sicknesses that can affect the body so as not to ensure that oneness, that togetherness that we talked about earlier on in uh, Ephesians. Malaise that can affect us is unforgiveness. Romans twelve nineteen talks about it. Immorality and indiscipline can be a malice. We read Corinthians, First Corinthians ten talks about it. First Corinthians five and six also talk, deals with it. When the people feel that I can do what I like, everybody does what they like. Then we are in the book of Judges. It's a it's a recipe for an unhealthy situation in the church or in the body. Hallelujah. Another sickness that is critical is pride. Pride is related to spiritual blindness. You can see it in Revelation chapter 3, verse 17 and 18. Let's read that one before we go to the last two or three. Then we will pray. It says, Because thou sayest, he's talking about the church in Laodicea, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing, that's pride, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable, Poor and blind and naked. Hallelujah. Go to verse 18. I counsel thee. There is hope. Hallelujah. Everybody say there is hope. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. And anoint thine eyes with eyes of that darkness see. So many times in the church you can have people with spiritual blindness or pride. And some, when that happens, we cannot see. We cannot see far. We cannot see one another. We cannot feel. We cannot hear from God. We cannot see sometimes our areas of nakedness. And it's, a, it's, a, it's what we call a body malaise. A, 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 a illness of the body. Hallelujah. And spirit of competition. Second Corinthians ten twelve. It says, and they comparing themselves to themselves were not wise. Actually, it's usually backed by partisanship. Competition 
is a body, it's an ailment within the body that can, like a canker, can eat into the fabric of anybody, any church system. And usually, when you have that, that illness, there is something we call triangulation. Triangulation. Triangles are formed. What it means is that people, when they have an issue with the other person, always there is positive or negative triangulation. They like the negative one. If it's a positive one, they, you have to go to an authority higher to address the matter. But if it's negative, usually it's either people at par or people below who don't have anything to do with the matter. So, Brother Nipa, Sister Nipa has an issue. If they don't come to the pastor, anybody below them or at, their, at par that they are sharing, and usually when they share, the other party has been infected. So, a triangle has been formed. The enemy of A becomes the enemy of B and the enemy of C. Because A and B had an issue, B went to tell C, and because A and B have a problem, a automatic C automatically becomes the enemy of A. That's triangulation. And they may not say it, they may express it or they may not express it. And that's very dangerous. When you have multiple triangulation, then you become impotent, you immobile. You can't move. Because it's like cancer. It's like leprosy. And many churches Many groups, many fellowships suffer from this. Multiple triangulation. Negative, multiple negative triangulation. Because so many circles, or you know, like the, the chemistry things, so many cycles, it's like when they are talking of this uh, ABA, you know, those uh, circle cell things, how it forms. That's how it Within a short time, there's no, you see, we started off by talking about that holding together jointly. So, the, in actual fact, even though the links are there, they are weak or they are broken. They are ineffective. The bone is there, but the energy, the blood is not flowing through it. The nerves are not flowing through it. The, the, the flesh is there, but the sinews, the, the, the nerves, the instruction from the brain, it doesn't reach there. So, it's just hanging. It's just hanging. It's just hanging. But it's not, it's just hanging. So it, it looks like there's life, but there's no life. Because multiple cases of angulation creating impotence, creating immobility. And another malaise is mistrust. When you read Romans 12, you see a lot of it. And last but not the least is idolatry. Idolatry, not idols, but human idolatry. Usually, or personal idolatry of activities. Obsession with a particular thing. So, if I have to have time to visit him, because I have idolatry for my TV or my soccer, or I have idolatry for this or that other thing, I can't have time, to, I can't visit him. I, I, I know how to be, but it's insignificant in my scheme of things. Whatever I have to do for him is because it's insignificant. Because there is something that is a primary thing. Or there is a person 
that I'm, I'm obsessed with. Because of that, I'm unable to see God and what God is seeing or saying. Hallelujah. When it enters into the church, it's very difficult for people to stand as one because people are practicing idolatry. And if you read the book of Ezekiel, you see clearly what idolatry does to the nation. Where he went in there and said, he said look at the, the God opened his eyes. He took him to the temple. He saw the hole. He opened the hole there. He saw people were calling all kinds of powers. So they are in the church. They are calling. They, are, they have other idols. Within and without. They are, they, are, they are focusing. They are putting their energy. They are worshipping. They want to please. They want to make those ones happy. They serve. Paul said, who serve not God, but they serve their belly. That's idolatry. Serve other people. Serve systems. Serve their focus. And that can kill the united efforts. Say amen. I pray that God will help us in all of this. God is calling us to oneness in diversity. We may be homogeneous. We may be heterogeneous. We may be different from different backgrounds. God is not telling us that we should judge everybody always do the same thing, think the same thing all the time, but we can adapt and adopt each other. Say amen. That's why we also know that calls for acceptance that everybody is relevant one way or the other. It may call for adaptability. We have to adapt. Sometimes we are not used to the way things this person does or the way things are done here or that way. But you say, no, I will change myself a bit to be able to get used to. And then sometimes also, we may need to persevere to the very end. Ephesians 4.3 says, endeavoring to maintain the unity of the faith in the bond of peace. So let not, let's not kid ourselves that it's so easy to build bridges and to walk in one. It's not easy. That's why Paul disguise it. He says, endeavor. People who climb Mount Everest. I have a friend who has climbed, a young lady, 34 years. She's from Kenya. She has climbed Mount Kenya about three times. She's still climbing. She says she wants to go to Everest. It's an endeavor because many people die along the way. You struggle. Even breathing. You think, when you are here, you think you can do it. But when you start climbing, it's another matter. And many of us, in building oneness in the body, let me say that it's not simple. It's not easy. But that's why God provides His grace. He says, my grace is sufficient for you. Hallelujah. And my strength is made perfect in your weakness. Whichever way your life or my life has become a bridge breaker, may God help us to rebuild the bridge so that you, through you, your fruitfulness, through your model, somebody else will find hope and life. Whichever way we're looking at it, whether through the body, through the temple, through the house, through the family, through any of the forms and the types of the unity of the body, God is calling us to rise to the occasion to be the one that God will use to rebuild somebody's life to make a difference. Will you respond to that? Will you honor God by putting aside any idol any obsession, anything which is blocking you 
from being able to serve fully and giving yourself wholly, sacrificing to the Lord and to one another. As we bow our heads in prayer, you want to pray to God? The Lord, make me a, build, a, a, a bridge builder. Make me the one that will unite your body. Make me the one. It's true, John 17 says that there may be one. Jesus prayed. The prayer is good, but I believe that the individuals need to make practical decisions and look at ourselves and say, Lord, when I look at myself, when I look at, how do I see the temple, the body, the house of God, a place of worship, a place of sacrifice? What, was, what has been my, my form of sacrifice? I'm holding on to my sacrifice. Family. Who do I account to? Who is my father? Who is my mother in the church? Who, who do I listen to? Who is my son? Who is my daughter? Not biological. I'm talking spiritual. The bride. Preparation in hope. The house. What kind of material are you? What material are you supplying? Some are supplying materials that are weak. Maybe material of gossip. Material of division. What kind of materials are we supplying to the house? Paul said, take heed what you supply. How we build. What material? I pray that I will not be the weak link. I pray that I will be the strong link. I pray that you will be that strong link in that house. Christ has already built his foundation. He is strong. The apostles have laid on. They are strong. It's now our time to build, to contribute to that same foundation, that same building. The flock. One missing out of hundred. Looking for a brother, looking for a sister we cannot see. What are we prepared to do? To lay down our lives for that flock. The army. What are we prepared to sacrifice? Because it's a risky job. Sometimes it may come with pain. It may come with people saying things, doing things. But that's the army. That's the risky one. It may come with attacks. That's the army. May the Lord help us. That we may fulfill our course. In our time. In the name of Jesus. Lord, help me. Help my brethren. To be the build, the bridge builders in our generation. That your church may be one. In Jesus' name. Amen.